live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Let's start this show off on a positive note. Drew, who's producing the show today and always, you're going to want to mark the tape on this one. Mayor Tom Barrett is absolutely, completely, 100% correct. Now, what are we talking about? You know, Tom's trolley, folly, the streetcar. No, 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 not, not, not that. He's still completely in left field on that. But he is absolutely right to be skeptical, to be doubting, to be hesitant about believing these Chinese investors who say that now, after 10 years at Northridge, they're now, don't tear the thing down, let us come in and build this Asian trademark. Now, we talked about this extensively on the program, and I, I, I think what's happened to Northridge has been an absolute and total just just sin, that, that it has gotten to the stage that it is at. For those of you who haven't been following at home, what happened is, you know, after all the stores closed in Northridge, and I think the last one closed in 2003, in 2008, this group of Chinese investors purchased the vast majority of the mall, all the mall, I think, except the Boston store property. And at the time, 2008, now keep in mind, we are now at the end of May 2019. So we're talking about 10 or 11 years. But back in 2008, they rolled out this huge plan. Here, we're going to take the mall and we're going to turn it into this giant trademark for Asian goods. And we're going to have all these Asian manufacturers who are going to sell their goods there. And it's going to be great for consumers and it's going to be great for retailers, etc. Well, you can go back and listen to the shows that I did about this back in in 2008, I was extremely skeptical of this at the time. Well, since 2008, nothing has happened. They have done absolutely nothing with the Northridge property. And when I mean nothing, I mean nothing. The thing has continued to deteriorate to the point that now it is a target for thieves. You have people breaking in there all the time, stealing anything that is left to be stolen, copper piping or whatever. It is a safety hazard. It is a health hazard. It is a blight on that community out there. And it's been sitting vacant for 10 or 11 years. So the city of Milwaukee finally says enough is enough. And what they estimate a Chinese investor spent six million bucks to buy it, and this is in 2008. Right now, the building is assessed for $81,000. $81,000. Think, I mean, think about that. If you grew up going to Northridge in the late 70s and the 80s and the 90s, that, that build, that Northridge structure is now $81,000. Like I say, you got teeny tiny bungalows in bad parts of the city of Milwaukee that are assessed at more than $81,000. And that's Northridge. That's the assessed value. The estimates are that it will cost at least $6 bucks just to kind of clean it up and get it back to where it was 10 years ago. And let me just say this. I don't believe that for one minute. I, I don't think... 
given the fact that it is in such disrepair and in such horrible state, I, I don't think, and, and I know this sounds silly to say, but $6 million doesn't go that far. You, I, I, you, I don't believe that you can rehab it for $6 million. My guess is two or three times that amount. All right. So anyhow, the city says enough is enough. They, they issue a raise order, a, a R-A-Z-E. We're going to tear down the building. And their idea is by tearing it down, what they can maybe do is inspire some sort of redevelopment, come in, get some light industrial in there or something. I don't know if that's going to work or not. But I do know that what's been going on doesn't work. So after they issue the raise order, what happens is mysteriously this Chinese investment group that has done nothing in 10 or 11 years, now they come forward and they say, oh, wait a second, don't tear this down. We've got our plan. And they trot out a drawing that they probably had done for about $1,000 that shows this bright, sleek building with these fancy drawings and things. And then they distribute it to the media and the TV stations guppy on this and they go around and they show people in the area, hey, what do you think of this? And everybody goes, oh, that's really great. You know, we, we we love it. And the Chinese group says, don't, don't tear this down. You know, we're going to, you know, we'll, we want to we want to start doing this later on this year. And, and we're going to be up and running by 2021. So don't tear down the building. Well, I, I don't believe this Chinese investors group any farther than I can throw them. Tom Barrett, I think, is of the same mind. But but I went to an expert last night. I have um, we went out to dinner. Fran and I went out to dinner with a couple couples. And these are Really interesting people. I mean, I, I, through her primarily, I've met all these fascinating people, very, very accomplished. Every single one of them and my wife are incredibly interesting people. And one of the, one of the guys I'm talking to, and I, I I'm not going to use his name, but he's well known in the Milwaukee real estate community. He was, if there's a go-to guy on malls, and on shopping centers in, I think, maybe in the country. This is the guy that you go to. And he was responsible for the development and finding stores for some of the, the largest malls in this area. And he's been in shopping centers all his life. And so we're sitting there and we're having dinner last night. And I said, I'd, maybe I should have talked to you before I spouted off on the radio about this. But, you know, this story about these Chinese people coming in and now after 10 years, they're going to put all this money into Northridge. And I said, I was kind of skeptical of that. You know, what, are, what did you think? And his response was, well, I can't say exactly what his response was, but it, it, let me put it like this, BS, although he didn't say that. He said, there's just no way this is going to happen. He said, I, I don't know what their game is, don't know what they're trying to do by trying to stall the, the demolition. But he said, there, it just makes no economic sense given where the economy is right now, given how dilapidated that space is, given all the issues that area has, nobody in their right mind would try to, would, would take, you know, six or 12 or $20 million and put it into that structure with the idea of trying to create an Asian trademark. He said that would be foolish, which is why they haven't done it over the course of the last 10 or 11 years. And he said, look, I can't tell you what their game is, you know, and, and what they're hoping to accomplish by trying to stall the demolition of this, maybe to try to get a better deal from somebody or whatever. He said, but, you know, there, there's no way in God's green earth that this will ever, that those those fancy plans that were rolled out on TV will ever occur. He said, it just doesn't make any economic sense at all. No one would do it. And if this Chinese group thought it made economic sense, they would have done it 10 years ago. And so, again, I don't know what the end game these investors are, are trying to play, um, and I don't know how, how, what they hope to accomplish by trying to delay this. I will tell you this. Mayor Tom Barrett is absolutely correct, and mark the tape on this one. The sooner 
the courts allow the city of Milwaukee to come in and tear down that Northridge property and essentially start over from scratch, the better the city of Milwaukee will be, the better the, better the surrounding area will be, the better the community will be. And delaying this for another year or two, to me, would make absolutely no sense at all. Tom Barrett is absolutely correct. When we come back, what is baseball going to do? Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So we're at dinner last night. My one friend is telling me about how he did the, the Chinese. There's no way that they're serious about this offer. One of my other friends, my buddy Joe, he, he's got a friend who is a who I won't name drop, but people would know this guy. He's a big time card counter. He's you know he's a very successful businessman, but he's also been banned from all these Las Vegas casinos. Not because he cheats, but because he's too good. He, he has this like photographic memory. He keeps track of cards and and you know. Joe was talking about times that he's been with them and, you know, they've been playing blackjack and they ended up getting tossed out because they were not cheating, but they were doing too well. Huh. That's a problem that I would like to have. All right. Our number 414-799-1620. I'm not going to bury the lead here. I think it's way past time for Major League Baseball to extend the nets at ball games down to the foul line. Right, the story that that's, everybody is talking about today, in part because it happened on live television, ESPN last night, the Chicago Cubs, the Houston Astros, one of the Cubs players is at bat. He hits this foul ball that is a screaming line drive down the left field line. Now, the Nets, baseball has extended the netting. So now the netting runs to the far end of the dugout, and that is typically where it stops. Well, this ball, it's just this angle. It comes off at a high rate of speed. It goes flying into the stands just beyond the netting and hits a little girl. Hits a little girl, and everybody knows this is bad. If you haven't seen the video of this, the ball player, um, Albert Amora, who's the, the Cubs player who hit the ball, he stops. I mean, he's really shook up. You know, at one point in time, he's starting to cry because he knows what's happened here. The catcher, you watch the catcher, um, he knows what's happened. Everybody on the field is just silent. They're looking there. The father, I guess, has the young girl, runs up the stairs. The girl is taken to the hospital. We don't have a report on her condition other than the preliminary report said that they think she's going to be all right. Don't don't know what that means and how badly she was injured. But the little kid gets hit by this screaming foul ball, which now has the conversation again coming up about should baseball do more to protect the fans? My answer is yes. Now, I know that you might disagree with me on this because we've talked about variations of this before. But but here's the bottom line of this. I, I have a 20-pack of tickets to the Brewers games. I sit behind home plate, about 19 rows up. And, and so I look through the screen, right? I, I look through the screen. It, it doesn't bother me. And I guess for people who say, well, I don't like to watch the game through the screens, I don't understand that because after about 30 seconds, at least for me, you, you don't notice it. I mean, you just kind of forget about this. At the same time, it provides protection. Now, there are a couple times, and I still remember it was the um, 20 – it was the it was the playoffs. I, I want to say maybe 2010 playoffs. It was Prince Fielder. I was sitting in box seats down the left field line. Prince Fielder hit this screaming 
line drive, and it, it seemed like it was coming like right at me. It ended up like bouncing off a chair about three or four over, but this was coming at incredible velocity, and and, and it just shocked a lot of people. And I understand some people will make the argument, well, you know, you, you've got you got to be paying attention a hundred percent of the time. But here's the truth: number one, that's not reasonable. That's not reasonable. You can't be paying attention 100% of the time because there's going to be times when you're looking at your wallet to pay the beer vendor or you're going to be looking over at your child to make sure that she doesn't spill the ice cream cone. And, and even sometimes, even if you are paying attention, that ball comes at you so fast that you don't have a chance to react. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. These type of injuries, and I appreciate that they are rare. I, I get it, but to me, they are completely and totally preventable. Hockey, you know, extended netting after people started getting hit and seriously injured when these pucks, you know, this hard rubber went flying into the, the stands. I think, and I look, and I, I don't, I'm not saying that you have to put it up over the bleachers or things like that, but these areas where you get the vicious, incredibly hit, quickly coming at you, foul balls. I see no reason at all why you don't extend that protective netting to make sure that somebody's not going to get hit. 414-799-1620. Let's have a conversation, and I know you might disagree with me on this. I, I get the idea that some people say, well, I want to sit really close, and that's why I pay all that money. I, I want to be in the second row. Well, okay, that that that's great. But, you know, once that foul ball comes and hits you or hits your kid in the head, let's have that conversation. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you. Should they extend the nets? Yes. Okay. And, and reason being, a couple of reasons. Number one is, look at all the expensive seats. They have all netting there anyway. I mean, you're paying, you know, you're sitting in the diamond seats and all that kind of stuff like that. You run it all the way down. I mean, I saw somebody get clocked. No, I don't know, like yeah. four years ago or something like that. Yeah, and you can't you you can't be constantly di- you know diligent as, as far as where the ball is going to go and when right. it's coming. You're, like you say, you turn around. Yeah, paying, or you, you can't react it. fast enough. I mean, there's people that freeze even if you see that ball coming at you. It's on you in a cup. You know, in, in the space of a second or two. You you don't. You know, people just can't react sometimes that quickly. I mean, it, it, you, you have to come, kind of look at the pros and the cons. What is really the what is really the con? Uh, I mean. You you don't notice it once you're sitting there. I certainly don't. At least that's I mean that that's certainly my well, impression. Then why would I mean I mean why would people spend eighty or hundred dollars a seat sitting behind the, in the diamond box? Yeah, I mean a diamond seats. You know, right, isn't that there? I yeah, mean, no. I mean, see, I I I mean, thanks for call. I see. I guess that's how I look at it. Now, I haven't been. WTMJ gets gets seats very close. You know, we have like two four four packs of seats. I haven't been in our seats this year. Nobody's asked me. Um, actually, no, I got invited to one game. Wasn't able to go. But one of the sets of seats in years past has been in the aisle, the section. They've been on the aisle right after the net ends. And I will tell you, I, to me, I, I've always been kind of uncomfortable in those because you don't have the net that's up there to protect you. And I, I would I would rather be a few rows back one section over and have that net because again I, I 
I, I just I, I I follow baseball games as closely as anybody. I'm the guy that's there with the scorecard, but I'm I'm looking down occasionally. You know, I, I'm looking at my friend. We're talking about stuff. I can't guarantee you that I'm going to be able to see a ball off a bat every time it starts coming back. Dan and Fond du Lac. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, Hi, thanks Dan. for taking my call. Sure, I have an I have an opinion on this netting. As much as it is going down the, all the way down to the follow lines each end, which would be great for safety. Right. The problem might arise is that everybody's looking at the same direction from that that far away. So when you are that far away, you're staring at the pitcher, the catcher, and whatnot. You're getting a black view now. You're not because you're seeing multiple angles of that netting where it's almost obstructing you. Instead of looking straight through it, you are at an angle. Huh. I got I'm I'm having I mean thanks for calling I'm 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 having trouble picturing that I I guess I mean you know hockey rinks now they have the netting that extends all the way around I guess I I'm I'm having trouble visualizing the situation that you're you're describing um but even so I, I got to think that there's workarounds on this I I just I just do Scott in Milwaukee Scott you're in WTMJ Yes no brainer they need to extend those no amount of money is going to compensate uh, what happened to this little girl or anybody this should happen to. Yeah. And when you look at the amount of uh, expenditures these organizations have, that netting is minuscule, and uh, you have to do it for the fans. They but, go there to have a good time, not to sit down in the seat and think, you better look out. Well, But I'll tell you, Scott, I, I don't know. I think the reason Major League Baseball might have, if, if you want to say they drag their feet on this, the reason they have is because they're concerned with blowback from fans who say, I, that, that, I don't want to look through the netting. I, I, that, that spoils my experience. I, I want to, I want to be able to reach over and I want to be able to not have a completely and totally unobstructed view of the third baseman or the left fielder. I, I think there's a lot of fans that don't like this. Although, to tell you the truth, I don't get it. I want that net in front of me so I don't get hit in the face with a ball. Well, 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 that's too bad if some fans object to it why don't you tell that to the fan whose next child gets hit by a baseball yeah no i'm no, thanks I, I'm, I'm with you and you know it, and it appears again we don't have an update on this little girl um it, it appears that I, again she's going to be all right and you can figure out what exactly that means but i i just we want kids to go to the baseball games and look and i i'm not talking about somebody i was listening around work today were saying well does that mean it has to go up in the second or the third or fourth deck no I, i'm not saying that because you i mean at some point in time you're going to be far enough away, but the truth of the matter is, you know, it, the the problems come from the people who are on the first deck, and you have those screaming line drives where you only have a second or two or a split second to react. It doesn't necessarily come from the pop fouls. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. It's one thing to commit a crime of fashion. It's another thing for a crime of fashion to be a crime itself. And yet there are a number of municipalities that make it illegal to wear saggy pants. Now, I here here is the, the story. Um, in, in Shreveport, Louisiana, they ha- are one of a number of communities that have an ordinance 
that says that people are not allowed to go out in public wearing pants below the waist, going out with saggy pants, I'm not making this up, is punishable by a fine of up to $100 and up to eight hours of community service. All right, so it's a saggy pants ordinance, and they're not the only community that has this. So here, here's why I'm bringing this up, and here's what happens. One day in February, there is a guy, police cruising around. They see this guy walking down the street, and he's got the saggy pants, you know, the underwear hanging out. You know what I'm talking about. And the police go to pull him over to give him a ticket, right? He takes off and starts running from the police. The police start chasing him. And now this all started because, again, he's got the saggy pants. They start chasing him. So he's holding up his pants as he's running. Turns out he's got a gun. And what ensues next, the police are yelling, drop, drop, put the gun down, put the gun down. This all happens in a matter of seconds. All of a sudden, a series of gunshots run out. The officer empties his, his gun, fires eight shots, hits the man three times as he lies, lay on the ground, 31-year-old guy. The coroner then goes out and does a study and later finds that the man had shot himself. The, the, the shot that, that the police officer heard that started all the, that started him firing was the guy turning the gun on himself and shooting himself in the chest. So the man kills himself, but the police, it's a gun battle on, on the streets. And it's all, it all started because of this saggy pants ordinance. Now, nobody under these circumstances is claiming that the officer wasn't justified in, in doing the, in, you know, in firing the gun, believing there's self-defense. But the question becomes, all right, you know, should they have tried to pull the guy over in the first place simply because he was wearing these saggy pants? Now, in Shreveport, Louisiana, since this ordinance went into effect about 10 years ago, there have been 726 people cited under this ordinance. Of those 726 people, 98%, so essentially almost all, were black. When it came to juveniles cited under the law, every juvenile cited under this law was black. And so the, the whole debate has now accrued. You know, is this, is the real purpose of these laws just an excuse to allow police officers to stop black people because, you know, it, it's mon- many more, at least black people that are either, either they're only singling out black people with the baggy pants or, um, this is a fashion statement more commonly found in the African-American community in this area. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, we were talking about baseball earlier on the show. I was at a ball game you know, last time I went, which was probably about a week and a half or two weeks ago. We, we parked in the far away parking lot, so I'm walking over the bridge, and I remember I was seeing a guy who, by the way, was white, and... <laughs> He, he had the saggy pants. I swear to God, his pants were down. Well, they were they were below his butt, you know, so they were around the upper part of the guy's thighs. The underwear is hanging out, and he's kind of, you know, sort of sort of doing that kind of duck waddle thing because uh, again, you can't move your legs that far. I mean, it's just because your your pants are down or around your thighs. Now, I don't get it. 
didn't look to me like it was particularly I, – I mean, I, I'm thinking, okay, if you're trying to dress to be like a chick magnet, I didn't get that this was going to be the look that some young lady was going to say, hey, I see that guy with his underwear hanging out, and I see the, you know, the, the pants down around his thighs, and, oh, this, is, this guy's really somebody I want to get to know. Now, but, again, I, taste change and stuff. I thought clearly – I'm looking at this thinking, huh, it's clearly, in my opinion, it is a crime of fashion. But but should it be a crime overall? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I want to be real honest here. I mean, I, I look, I'm all in favor of quality of life ordinances. I, I am. And I, I think they have, a, they have a place. And I think there are certain community standards that are, are, are appropriate. But I didn't realize as many communities as apparently do have these saggy pants ordinances. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think just because somebody wants to now again we're not talking about people that are exposing their private parts that's a different story but you know the style I guess I think if you want to go out and you want to walk around in public with your pants down around your thighs and your underwear hanging out I I think that I question your judgment I question your taste I question your sense of style but I don't think it should be a crime 4147991620 and I will tell you it leads to stuff like this stuff that happened in Shreveport a little while ago I mean the cops they decide to stop this guy. I don't know why he ran, but he runs, and next thing you know, this thing has escalated, and you got a guy dead, and you got bullets flying all over. Let's start with Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, Mark. You know, I think it's just ridiculous the the level that the communities would try to go to to, to do something that's purely a fashion sense. Like you said, nobody's exposing themselves, and it, it does disproportionately target people. That, let's be honest, most of the people you see with saggy pants are probably people of color. Right. What, it, right. It, it, it is a style. I do, music. Right. It's a style. I don't <laughs> understand the style, but, I mean, I, I think maybe there's... You know, I mean, I think back to some of the styles that some of us who were kids in the 60s and 70s wore, and there's probably a lot of people would say, we don't get that style either. Yeah, so you you don't see the purpose behind these. Exactly. And, you know, I'm almost 30. When I was in high school, it was still a thing back then. And uh, the school would tell us, well, you know, that originated in prison as a, a symbol of your willingness to participate in uh, in other types of activities with other inmates. So that was enough of a deterrent to us right there to say, eh, you know, I'd rather wear a belt. I, but, right, uh, right. I mean, no, thanks. I mean, well, I guess I, I, <laughs> that, that, I guess that's a, that's a nice way of saying it. I mean, I mean, part of this also was... Uh, again, I mean, it, it kind of it kind of based on the prison style where, you know, the, you don't have belts and things like that. And I mean, I again, I, I don't get why you want to emulate this, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a crime. Now, I have a text here. Hey, Jeff, last time I checked, you have the choice to buy pants in your proper waist size. OK, you know the law. You choose to break the law. You suffer the consequences. You know, you've made the choice. Well, OK, my my point is. Is this a law that should be on the books? I mean, do we really have an interest in our society in saying to someone, hey, you know, you want to wear this style, you know, you want to wear pants that are three sizes too big so that if you go out to the ball game, you know, you're going to have to kind of waddle around because they're going to be around your thigh and your underwear is going to be hanging out. I mean, is this really government's interest? 
I mean, where are all the civil libertarians around here? You know, where I mean, it, it, should government really be telling you that you have to buy pants that are in your size? Now, again, I, I'm, I'm if you're exposing yourself, that's a different story. OK, I get that. But that's not what we're talking about. 414-799-1620 to these saggy pants laws. Do they have a place in society? If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 I sent out a link to this story. It's in the Washington Post today with pictures and stuff. It's the saggy pants law. And I guess my point is, I appreciate it as a fashion faux pas. But, you know, if we want to criminalize bad fashion choices, I mean, we've got Summerfest coming up. We've got state fair coming up. I, I mean, you know, really, who makes these decisions? And this is from somebody who doesn't get the fashion choice of the saggy pants. Lisa in Mequon. Hi, Lisa. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for talking about this. Sure. It's one of my pet peeves. It is so annoying. I find myself always going to the parents, to be honest, like who raised you mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um. And I, it's very offensive, I think, um, to be out in public dressed like that. I, it's very disrespectful. Well, disrespectful to who, I guess? Who, who well, do you mean? Of to, first of all, I find it very disrespectful to themselves, whether yep. they know it or not, yep. whether they know it or not. And second of all, you know, I love going out to dinner uh, with my 80-year-old mother and Sometimes we go down to Potawatomi, and I'm telling you, we'll see a dozen people in a day. Right. Like that, down, down to the fire pit restaurant. Sure, but I, I guess here, I mean, here would be my question, and I agree with you. Look, I don't get that style, so I, I understand that, and, and I'm not walking around dressed like that. But at the same time, you know, where do you draw the line? I mean, there's some people who are offended by, I don't know, ladies that go out, and, and maybe maybe they're, they're showing too much, you know, flesh on top. There's other people that just hate the, um, the, the, the shredded blue jeans, you know, that type of stuff. And, and I mean, and I get all that. I understand that, but do we really need laws? that say it's you you can't wear this out in public i guess that you got me there okay <laughs> all right no fair enough i mean thanks nicole looking i mean i i understand that you know you go my god you 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 know you 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 walk around and you say look i i can't believe that person's you know wearing that look or or whatever or my god do they think that that looks good and i and i understand all that and and believe me i i get it but I guess where do you end up drawing the line? Do you do we now say okay, well if you don't like the saggy pants again, we're we're taking we're we're not talking about indecent exposure. That's a whole different story. We're talking about that look where your underwear is hanging out. I mean, do you say well like like old guys in tank tops? You know, if you're going to wear muscle shirts, you have to have muscles. Or you know, spandex oversized twelve is almost never a good choice. Aren't spandex oversized twelve is never a good choice? Do do you want to take that next step and criminalize it? And and that's my point. And I also don't think that there's any way that you can credibly argue that these laws end up as a practical matter targeting you know persons of color because for whatever reason it's more of a fashion choice among young black males than it necessarily is among young white males although young white males can dress like this as well 414-799-1620 let's talk to Leonard on the northwest side hi Leonard how you doing Jeff good what do you think uh, listen, I'm old enough to to go back to when uh, I was in college 
and we wore bell bottoms in the '70s <laughs> and high sex shoes, and you thought the women at church thought the world was going to end. <laughs> this is their fashion. Uh, you don't have to like it. I don't like it, but it's their fashion statement. Uh, they have the right to like it, and actually. A lot of the young girls do like it as well. That's why the guys continue to wear it. <laughs> that part done. Right. But it as a as a uh, criminal uh, offense is totally crazy. It's totally uh, pointing out for African Americans they're after them uh, about that. It's a uh, a reason to try and stop them. Mm-hmm. A reason to try and pull them over. A reason to try and give them a hassle. Well, and that's the what the number. I mean, that's in Shreveport. I mean, the, so they've got this ordinance. I mean, that, the numbers show that ten years. It's been around for ten or eleven years. Ninety-eight right. percent of the people stopped have been black. Okay, you know that's you, right. that's just the numbers. <laughs> you you can't argue and, that. Yeah. There you go. Your Lisa. That it, this this look has been going on. More than 10 years. Yeah. So you kind of got to get used to it, even though you don't like it. I don't like it as well. <laughs> right. But that's what the young people want to look different. They want their own identity. These right. are some of the reasons that they uh, have those types of uh, right. looks and, and uh, the decisions that they make. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. And, and so I think other generations, like I said, I mean, I, I remember the 60s and 70s, and I'm sure there's all sorts of looks, things that were in fashion then that, you know, our parents or grandparents would say, my God, you really think that's a good look? I still have my picture from when I turned 18 in the mid-70s, my, my ID picture. Huh. Daryl on the west side. Daryl, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How you doing, Jeff? I do. Uh, I'm 59, and I don't like to look myself, but to criminalize it, you won't, in Louisiana, you will not uh, give them a ticket for wearing a Klan outfit down there. Yep. And they do that often. <laughs> well, well, yeah, or, 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 like, I mean, I saw you told my screener, or pro-Nazi outfits or stuff. Look, right. I mean, th- this stuff, people don't have a right to not be offended. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I understand some people might be offended by that look, but it's kind of like tough it up, buttercup. You know, that's... Yeah, that's that, what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank, uh, thanks for the call, Daryl. I mean, that, 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 that's kind of it. You, you don't have a right to not be offended. And, you know, look, and, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure that there's all sorts of looks that people find offended. Like I say, I'm sure that there's, there's folks that, you know, there's, maybe there's ladies that go out and you see other gals that are out there and they're kind of, again, low cut outfits and maybe they're showing too much or, or whatever. I, okay. But but as, as long as we're not talking about indecent exposure, it's a fashion choice. And in this particular case, I'm not faulting the police officer, but this all started. A guy ended up being dead. It all started because they tried to pull him over for a saggy pants violation. Really? The first couple paragraphs. The White House wanted the U.S. Navy to move out of sight the warship USS John McCain ahead of President Trump's visit to Japan, according to an email reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. May 15th email to the Navy and U Air Force officials, a U.S. Indo-Pacific command official outlined plans for the president's arrival. Um, in addition to instructions for the proper landing areas for helicopters, preparation for the USS Wasp, where the president was scheduled to speak, the official issued a third directive. The USS John McCain needs to be out of sight. Please confirm number three will be satisfied. That was the, the thing needs to be out of sight. When a Navy commander ex- expressed surprise about this, they were told 
First, I heard about it as well. They would work with the White House military office to obtain more information. And apparently the concern was that that the name of the ship would appear in the background as President Trump was giving his, his speeches. So, you know, if the ship is in the background, it's not like he was going to be on the USS John McCain, but the concern that some White House official apparently had was about the optics of the USS John McCain in the background. And again, then it just kind of brings up the ongoing dispute that, you know, even after Senator McCain's death, continues to erupt between the president and the the late senator. Uh, this story has now become public, and apparently, what happened originally is they were going to like they were going to put a tarp over the name of the the ship to kind of block that out. Well, President Trump now says that he knew nothing about this, and he would not have ordered it had he known about it. This was not done with his knowledge. So, assuming the president is telling the truth about this, it, it appears that somebody in the White House decided to take it upon themselves to make sure that the the ship was not in the background, it was gone, or the name was covered up, or whatever. 414-799-1620, that is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have an open-ended question that I'd like to discuss with you, and that is, what do you make of all this? Let us assume, for the sake of argument, that the president is telling the truth, that he didn't know about this, and he didn't order it. But obviously, somebody at the White House did. They were concerned enough about it to reach out to the military to say, we want this gone. What conclusion do you draw from that? I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What is your take on on this story? Do you believe that it happened? Do you believe that the president had no knowledge of it? And And if that's true... And it did happen. Why did it happen? What was going on here? 414-799-1620. And what does it tell us moving forward? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 142. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you hadn't heard how this story ended, what happened is after these concerns from the, the White House, what they ended up doing, they couldn't move the, the ship, the USS John S. McCain, because apparently it's being worked on, It was, and so you, you couldn't just move it. So what they originally did is they took a tarp and hung a tarp over the ship's name ahead of President Trump's trip. Um, after the, the tarp was taken down, they then moved a barge closer to the ship, which obscured its name. Sailors on the ship, who typically wear caps bearing the name of the ship, were given the day off uh, during Mr. Trump's visit, according to people familiar with the matter. And then what happened is at, at the end of the day, before the president got there, the apparently the, the Navy officials in Hawaii and Japan said, we're not going to do this. And so they moved the barge and they uncovered the, the tarp. And so by the time the president got there, all these efforts to hide the name were, were gone. So what do you think happened here? Let's start with Sherry in Madison. Sherry, hello. Yes. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, you know, I think the real issue here is not whether Donald Trump was involved, whether he knew or directed the actions. I think the real issue is that his ego and, and possibly any subsequent rants is so fragile that his White House staff 
and to take the extraordinary steps to protect him from adversity mm-hmm. to try and control his subsequent behaviors. You know, so let, you know, just be- let me ask you this: let it, let us assume that these were these were aides that decided to do this, and they had a couple they had a couple of things. Maybe one they're thinking, yeah, you know, we we don't want we don't want the old man going and yelling at us, you know, because of this, um, and also if. If he's photographed giving his Memorial Day remarks, and this is in the background, his political opponents are going to use this as fodder. Was there any was there any legitimate reason in your mind, maybe for doing this, or or absolutely not? Uh, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. As you said, the, the ship was named after three military heroes, and uh, you know I think John McCain continues to live on inside of President Trump's head. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just shameful. Yeah. Okay. Now, thanks for call. Okay. 414-799-1620. See, th- this is what I think happened is I, I think you had AIDS. I, I am going to believe I'm going to accept the president at face value when he says he didn't know that, that he had ordered this. So I know some people are skeptical of that. I can I can picture this. I think you have aides who are sitting there saying, "Okay, let, let's look at the logistics of this." Okay, there's the ship here, and there's a couple things going on. First of all, we know how the president feels about Senator John McCain. You know, if he's there and this ship is in the background, you know he might say something, and he might come back and just ream all of us out for having the ship in the background. Why did you do this, etc. The other side is the aides might also be saying, you know, if he's giving his Memorial Day remarks and this ship is in the background, you know very well that the national media and his political opponents are going to use this. They're going to juxtapose it. So the aides are saying, well, maybe we're protecting the boss. I mean, now is I, I just throw this out there. Is this a legitimate reason for that if that was one of the things that went on? Ron in West Bend. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Um yeah, I think what you just said is absolutely right. Uh, it's a smart subordinate looking after the boss's hot buttons. That's all it is. Um, we do it all the time. Uh, when you know what the boss's problems are and what really gets him going, you're going to make sure that uh, you don't find out where you don't, you hide the hot buttons so that he's not all upset about something. Mm-hmm. Should should they have done this in this case? Uh, let's let's assume that that's kind of the motivation. You don't want to you don't want to set him off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in this particular case, obviously the optics of of messing around with a a navy ship that's a bad sort of thing too. Is this one that they just should have said, okay, we know the boss is going to be upset, but let's let's just roll with it? No, they did. If if they covered up the name, absolutely the right thing to do. And I respect and admire Senator McCain as, as a hero and a patriot, but um, you don't want to upset the boss. Got it. Okay, no, thanks to call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. I, and I, I really, I do think that's what happened here. I mean, I do, I do, I think that you had some aides, A-I-D-E-S, that were looking at this and saying, okay, Here's what's going to happen. He's going to get hacked off. And we all know, you know, when he gets hacked off, you know, if the president's not happy, ain't nobody happy. And he's going to be screaming for somebody to lose their head, get, you know, to be fired if this happens. And all, and we know that the media and the opponents, they're going to use this backdrop and it's going to be a political issue as well. So I think you can say that they're looking out for it. Now, okay. 
that doesn't make it the right thing to do. If that's the motivation, um, should should somebody have reined that in? Paul in the North Shore. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Paul. Paul, Paul, Paul. Okay, lost Paul there. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, here here's my take on this, because I, I really, that's my interpretation of, of what went on. Um, I, and I will give President Trump the benefit of the doubt here. But at the same time, if I'm President Trump and I find out about this, I, I think I'm going after the AIDS. I'm going after saying, okay, look, don't you realize how this makes me look? Don't you realize that this makes me look, I knew nothing about this. This makes me look petty, etc., etc. Um, it perpetuates all this. It gives fodder to all these people who say that, you know, I'm my own, my own worst enemy and stuff. This is, I would not want to be the aide that took it upon himself or herself to try to make these calls. And I, I guess maybe it says something about the climate in the White House that you have people who think that they end up having to do that. Mark in Cudahy. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Mark. Um, I tend to agree with you. I I think that uh, this was something just to protect uh, the possibility of something surfacing around the president. Right. And if anything looked bad, from what I've seen, the news media is going to make the most of it. Oh, no question. No, no question about it. It's it's like it's like George Bush and the mission accomplished thing. You know how many how many times did you see that after the fact? Yeah, I have no way of knowing if the president actually knew this was going on, and I'm I'm thinking of my own work environment. I've done that to, to help my boss uh, to try and make life a little simpler. I mean, I think that's right. Just part of the job do you think that whoever did this there should be any repercussions or is it just okay maybe this wasn't the most well thought out thing but your motives were good and let's just move on repercussions no okay if if this was something that was uh within their purview it happened if it wouldn't have been within their responsibility i don't think it would have occurred anyway so um i don't see that they did anything harmful and besides i mean i'm my dad was a, a veteran. I, I respect John McCain in his memory in the same way. But let's face it, John McCain did some very, very dramatic things to try and make an impression as well. And, you know, it, it doesn't, no one's, no one's a saint here. Well, I, right. I mean, I guess, I see, I, but, but of course, the, the political fallout that you have, you know, your disagreements with Senator John McCain, I think it would be, What's the word I'm looking? The word I'm looking for it would be petty. It would it would be petty to say that okay I I'm going to be going to Japan and I don't even want to be anywhere near a a you know a, a U.S. ship that's named partly after Senator McCain and well as his, as his father and his grandfather. I mean I think if that was really the sentiment that that would be an incredibly petty sort of thing to do. I, I think this story in many respects is is getting overblown. 
And I, I too tend to believe that the president and I, I, that the president probably didn't know about this because I would hope he didn't know about it because I would hope the president wouldn't be so petty that he would decide that okay this is I'm giving this Memorial Day speech but I don't want that ship I, I want you to I want you to have the sailors take off their hats or give them the day off and let's cover this up I mean seriously I mean given all the stuff that's going around I would hope the president is not that petty my guess is this is some aide who wanted to cover their own butt and was maybe concerned about the optics who kind of went overboard on this. I'm not sure I w- if that's the case, and if my theory is correct, I'm not sure that I want that aide doing advance work for me anymore. Just saying. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. All right. I sent out a tweet on this. You can follow me. At Jeff Wagner, 620. Matter of fact, one more follower, and it's another zero number. I'm kind of like like rolling those things over. So um, <laughs> send out a tweet on this. It's... I, I sometimes I, I wonder I wonder who does the planning for like the construction work for the Department of Transportation. Is it people with computers and slide rules and stuff that sit down and figure stuff out? Or do you take a bunch of monkeys, throw them in a room, give them a few bottles of wild turkey bourbon, and decide to allow them to do the planning? I bring this up because the Capitol Drive off off-ramp right by our studio is is torn up it's going to be out for the whole summer it creates a huge problem for people who want to get to this part of town because the off-ramp is off all right fine so you use alternative routes all right well the next major major street off-ramp etc north of capitol drive is silver spring that's the one by bayshore sent out a link to this apparently um the off-ramps near the bayshore town center are largely going to be closed this summer as they start you know construction on on a bridge now so you've got now i understand there's hampton in between but it's basically it's capitol drive and then it's silver spring so we've got we're messing around with all the off-ramps on Capitol Drive, and that's going to be closed for the whole summer. So people take alternative routes, including Silver Spring. So what are we going to do? Let's close down the Silver Spring off-ramps and really create, what would be the phrase, a hot mess. I have, okay, I just I just have a simple question, you know, and it's maybe maybe something, you know, it's what you say to your kids when they're, they've got like a project and they're starting to color or something and they, they want to move on to a different picture, don't you ever say, why don't you finish the one picture before you move on to something different? My question to the Department of Transportation or whoever does this is about how about finishing one disruptive project before you start another one a couple miles away? Like put your resources, get the Capital Drive project fixed, and then tear up Silver Spring instead of tearing up everything all at once. Just asking. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here we have a text. Jeff, boy, do I ever agree with you about finish one road project bottleneck before you start another. Yeah, I guess that's, I mean, so you've got this major mess on Capitol Drive here. And I, I get it. You've got to replace roads. You've got to fix bridges. I understand all that. I'm not saying don't do it. But all right, so now you've got, if you're going north on I-43, and I'm a little bit sensitive to this because people, although that's not the route I typically take to the station because I come from the, the north, it, it, 
a lot of people do. So it's very, very disruptive to businesses along Capitol Drive, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, that, that's fine. You got to do the work. It's going to be closed for a couple months while they do these things. Okay, that's great. But but then to close the next major off-ramp or on-ramp on the one up by Bayshore on Silver Spring, and to do that at the same time for several months, to me, it's like finish the Capital Drive project. All right, get rid of that bottleneck because that's going to be the alternative route that some people would take to deal with the Silver Spring construction. But instead, we're going to tear up like one inter- one off-ramp or on-ramp after another. I mean, really, finish one project put a lot of those workers together getting the thing done quick and then go and work on the Silver Spring one. That, that's all I'm saying. Just kind of makes sense. It's like, oh, gee, we've got a major project at the house and we're not going to finish that. We're going to start another one. And the effect is you inconvenience yourself and nothing ends up getting done. All right. I may be a contraindicator on this story. Maybe you have seen it. Florida high school kid gets an assignment in physics. I was never particularly great at physics, um, but I mean, I, I sort of, I guess I always felt that if I was comfortable, I understood gravity, that, you know, I understand that the earth revolves around the sun and it spins and gravity means that we're not going to fall off. I mean, did you really need to know a lot more about physics? But anyhow, it's this one page assignment that the teacher gives out in, in high school. And the assignment, let's see, I've got it here. The assignment for the next two days is to find a current event in science or technology and to write a report about it. The current event can be any discovery, breakthrough, or technology, etc. It can be in any area of science or technology, but choose something that interests you. This will be counted as a lab grade, which makes up 30% of your grade. Do it. And then, then the, the, it goes on to give you some other instructions about, you know, where you should find the article that you're going to write about, etc., etc. All right. So you have a, a kid. This is a high school kid who pretty much blows this assignment off. I'm looking at what he turned back in. And it's gotten uh, it's got a couple handwritten things on it, but it it looks to me like the kid spent all of about 30 seconds on this right before he was going into class. All right? So he he turns it in. There's nothing to this. It's 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 again, it's a 30 second sort of thing. The teacher the teacher then responds to this. And this is what the teacher writes on the the paper when she returns it to him. You know, normally you return the paper to the kid with the grade, you know, right? The and I am quoting directly, it says WTF is this absolutely no credit. Now we all know what WTF is an acronym for. If you don't know, I can't help you on the radio, but but you know the, the F is a bad word. That's what it's a reference to. You know, the W-T is what the. And you can take it from there. So W-T-F is this. Absolutely no credit. Right? So it gives it back to the kid. The kid takes it home and shows it to his mother. Now, his mother is not necessarily shocked that the kid turned in a piece of crap report, okay? The mother is shocked that the teacher would write this acronym on the top of the paper. I'm looking at one of the many stories about this because this has gone viral. Melinda Smith, the student's mother, told the local TV station, 
on Tuesday she was shocked when her son showed her his science homework with the comment, WTF is this, absolutely no credit written on top. She says it wasn't anything about not getting the credit. It's more so the language about the writing to students that was very inappropriate and not acceptable for a teacher whatsoever. And uh, the mom says, I think this teacher should be reprimanded. All right, I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess there's a couple related things. First, all right, was the teacher out of line? And if so, how out of line was she? I mean, is this the type, and I think it was a sheep. Was this the type of thing that you should be fired for, reprimanded, talked to, suspended, how bad a transgression was this? Right, that's question number one. Question number two, what's the real story here? Is the story the language or the acronym that the teacher used, or is the bigger story that the kid, in this case, turns in, I mean, does a completely and totally half-butt job? And, and take it from me, uh, looking at this, you can tell the kid didn't spend more than 30 seconds on this whole thing. On a, on a big time project is perhaps the bigger thing that maybe mom, what mom really needs to be outraged about is the fact that the kid put little or no effort into this assignment. How much trouble should the teacher be in and what should the real story here be? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back. So, Gru, who together with Hardball, are both producing the show today. Now, you asked me during the break, the, the kid, how old is he? And I said he's a high school student. It's a high school physics class. And your response to the teacher writing, um, the, the, the kid turns in just, again, a homework assignment that clearly shows about 30 seconds spent on it. And the teacher writes, WTF is this? Absolutely no credit. Your response was? Well, then it's hilarious. Hilarious in that that you you mean that you think that the kid has probably heard that phrase before and um, just I, I mean I suppose it depends on the household I guess but, but yeah. every high school student is knows what that means knows what that means uh, and I've I've probably had worse on on some of my grading <laughs> you, so some of that read. okay all right four one four seven nine nine one six twenty that's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's the what's the issue here? Is the bigger problem what the teacher did or what the kid did? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Kimberly in Milwaukee. Kimberly, hello. Hello. How are you today? I am well, thank you. What do you think? I think that I'm appalled. I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. and this woman has a responsibility to uh, take um, a really good, serious ethical oath to educate students to live in this world in in a God-fearing way. Mm-hmm. And to use that language makes me sick. Well, let me ask you this. Is it is it possible that this this is, rightly or wrongly, this is a common phrase that you see all the time. Um, is, is it possible that the teacher was just trying to, I don't know, communicate in a way that the student would understand? No, it's okay. not acceptable. Okay. That's right. not acceptable. If, do we want to walk around teaching 
No, nope, no, I, our, <laughs> right. No, I, I cringe when I hear that word. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I got it there. Do you, what should happen in your opinion to the teacher? I think the teacher should be um, called in front of the school board and I think she should be reprimanded. I don't know like what kind of reprimand. Right. Um, I think she should be um, definitely have some sort of punishment. Okay. Because right. if she's doing that, what else is she doing? Got it. Okay. Thanks for calling. And I'm pretty sure it's a female teacher. And if it's a male, I apologize, but we're going to continue to use the, the I, I think it's a she. So 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Josh in Muskego. Josh, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi there. Okay. What do you think should happen to the teacher? And is there perhaps a bigger issue here? Well, I really don't think anything could happen to the teacher. Maybe the principal talk to him a little bit, but... I mean, the bigger issue is if I was a kid and I did that kind of work, there's no way I ever would have brought it home and showed it to my parents, regardless of what the teacher wrote on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I'm glad you called, Josh, because I, I, I understand that every talk show that's talking about this today is discussing it from the perspective of, you know, the teacher writing, you know, WTF on, on the paper. And I, and I get that. But I thought when I saw the story, the same thing that you thought. I mean, if, if I had taken, if, you know, for something that was supposed to be 30% of my lab grade, and I had turned in a piece of crap work, a piece of work like that, I, I, I wouldn't want my parents seeing it, regardless of what the teacher wrote on the top of it. Yeah, I would uh, I would heard something a lot more hurt than <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it is. No, okay. Should any, so you, you would say no harm, no foul, nothing happens to the teacher? No, I mean, it, it may not have been the best judgment, but I don't think it's a huge deal in any way. Right. Okay, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Yeah, Josh and I, we must have been raised by the same parents, because, again, that's that's what I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm, and, and it does, in fairness to the kid, it looks like he spent about 30 seconds, oh, my God, we got this assignment, I was supposed to write this big report and all, and he kind of just threw this thing together and turned it turned it in. I mean, I would be... I would, the concern isn't, gee, look what Mr. Sigworth wrote on my paper. It would be more like this, you really, Jeff, you turned this in? What were you thinking? No TV for two weeks. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Daryl. Daryl, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Thanks for taking uh, my Sure. Phone. What do you think? As I mentioned to your screener, I've talked full I've taught full time for 37 years, and I've substituted for the balance of that time up until now, full time in the classroom, 50 years. Okay, well, <laughs> you pro- you pre- you have probably seen it all. Would be my guess. <laughs> I have I have seen it all. Right. Okay. So what what do you how do you what is your take on this whole story? The premise is this student will get paid for what he has done. Because he did such a slipshod job on the assignment, that's going to reflect in his grade. He may flunk the class. It may drop his his grade. Whatever. That's not the issue to me. You get all kinds of students that turn in excellent work to absolute trash. And you grade them accordingly. And if it's a poor assignment, you help them out and tell them how to try to fix it. Right. But the teacher, flat out, off base. For, from using Absolutely for using Absolutely no question about it. What would you do to him or her? What would you? What, what sort of penalty should there be? You had an individual on earlier that said this individual teacher should appear before the school board, and they should deal with the situation, and the, and the teacher should be reprimanded. Mm-hmm. 
It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't warrant, I don't believe, the teacher to being fired unless right. unless she's got a, he or she, whatever, has a, a, a record of other uh, absurd yeah. Uh, yeah. occurrences. But, yeah. as I said, the student gets what he or she gets paid for. Uh, it'll reflect in the grade. If they decide to do basically nothing on the assignment, it'll be reflected. Right, and so that's where they get it. No, I get it. Thanks for calling me. And I understand it, and I don't... Do I think it was inappropriate? And yes, my answer would be yes. And I I agree with... uh, I, I have no trouble or no problem with the teacher receiving a reprimand, saying, you know, this is just, you know, you you are supposed to be a professional and you've got we expect you to behave and act and communicate in, in ways that are professional. And regardless of what the modern societal standards are or whatever, um, and regardless of the fact that the kids probably say a lot worse in classrooms, um, you, you, you're the teacher, you're the authority figure, you shouldn't do that. You should find a way to communicate your displeasure with the piece of crap assignment that was turned in, in, in a more professional fashion. And I think that's fair. Would I fire her or him? No. I, I do, though, go back to the other premise, though, about it's interesting to me that the, the mom, this is what she takes to social media about, where, you know, our kids being a victim, whereas it's more like, okay, yeah, do you reprimand the teacher? I get it. But, my, my God, you know, isn't the bigger thing that the kid just didn't do the work at, at all, or isn't that at least as big a thing? Julie in Lake Geneva. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Julie. Um, I'm calling more about the woman that called earlier saying how appalled that she is. I mean, there's way worse things going on in school today than being called out on a poor assignment. I mean, we live in a completely different world now. If these teachers are reaching out to these students on a level of WTF, I think that it's not the end of the world. (laughs) I think it's more attention-seeking from the mother. Well, it, it was again interesting to me that this, this is the, the kind of hill that she chose to die on. This was, this was going to be the, the, the fight about this. So you, you kind of see, would, would you reprimand the teacher for doing this? I would not. Okay. Okay. Would you counsel her maybe to use different language in the future? I would probably call her in and ask her about the situation. But, yeah. Um, and I'm sure that there's some sort of policy in the school that has to be followed, and that's what would have to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, thanks. I, I guess I don't really disagree on that. Here's a text, Jeff. Had to weigh in on the teacher subject. I think it's poor form, but I think it's a letter-in-the-file type of ex, uh, offense. I think some of it's being uh, totally overblown by most of the callers. Well, I mean, again, it, it, it sort of all depends. And I, I think if you're the professional and you're the teacher, you have to be – you can't bring yourself to the kid's level. You shouldn't be using, you know, the the language if it's inappropriate. But at the same time, I, I, I understand that this gets, you know, that this gets difficult. I have a I have a friend who's a a judge, and a number of years ago, he got criticized because he was, you know, dealing with a sentencing, and he used the phrase he was referring to a defendant. He used the phrase "your baby mama," and that created this this huge issue. Oh, was this judge, you know, should he have used that phrase? Is this derogatory, etc. And, and the judge was 
doing it to try to communicate to the defendant because that's the language that the defendant w- was using. And and again, I mean, I think it ended up being no harm, no foul. So when you hear this story, I mean, again, two issues. Do, do, you, do you put a note in the teacher's file? Do you counsel him or her? I think it's a her. Do you counsel her? You know, maybe this isn't the best way to proceed. Yeah, I'm down with that. Firing her? No. But then the other larger point is maybe you say to the mom, maybe the real conversation here is you, you want to talk to your kid about turning in turning in a, an assignment that would generate a response to that because I mean whether or not that was appropriate or not clearly I mean most people would look at what the kids turned in and they would say WTF all right back in just a minute welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ 414-799-1620 ladies how big a problem you know is this talking to Melissa and then this big story in the Washington Post saying it, it apparently is this frustration for people of a certain age, you know, working moms, you know, working, you know, working middle-aged women, you know, women in their 30s and 40s and 50s, middle-aged men too, who just, you know, they're saying, look, we're, we can't find places to shop because you go into some of these retailers of the world and they've got stuff for the young gals that you're not going to wear, and then they've got stuff that looks like your grandma would wear it. No offense to grandma. There's a lot of really hot grandmas out there, but but they're not able to find anything. How big a problem is this, and is this something that translates to at least some of the problems that retailers might be having? 414-799-1620. Joseph in Wauwatosa. Joseph, good afternoon. Yes. Um, again, uh, the pennies I worked at closed for exactly the reason you mentioned. Um, they didn't have any clothing that um, you know, the customers really wanted. Okay, so it was kind of, and, and so they, they ended up losing their loyal customer base. Yes. Uh-huh. And um, we, we closed for that reason. I worked at the Pennies on Silver Spring. Okay, sure. The, the one out like on on the west side there, like yeah, the outlet store. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. Thanks for the call. I mean, I, I think that's you know that's always one of the issues. Here's some text, Jeff. One hundred percent, Jeff. Especially for the busy working mom, the materials that can be washed easily have a little structure to them to hide some of those middle aged lines. Definitely not on the racks in the stores you reference. Limited used to be the go to store, but uh, that's now shut down. Places like Ann Taylor or Banana Republic seem to be the go to, but you're definitely paying a premium in those stores, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Um, Jeff, I'm a 49-year-old woman working in an office with business casual dress. Marshalls and TJ Maxx lately seems to be the best for work and personal, um, all different designers and kind of trendy brands. 414-799-1620. Jeff, don't think those stores handle clothes for people over 65. They have clothes for mostly young people. You can't find a dress that isn't cut slow sleeveless short in length it is extremely um discouraging see that's that's kind of the issue and that's sort of the challenge that's out there jeff i can identify i'm 63 but feel like i'm 48 to 50 okay i can identify with that don't want the teen 20 something look but don't want the elderly lady look i go to 
multiple places, either malls or online. Um, P.S. I'm retired, but like to look nice and, you know, reasonably modern. I think, you know, this is uh, okay. Here's another text. I love these texts. Jeff, I'm a boomer grandma and most of the clothes are from millennials. I never found much at pennies. But this is I mean, see, this is the thing that's going on right now, that, that this battle that these retailers have to figure out and, and decide, which is, you know, what, what are they going to be? And who is your audience? And I understand that if you're running a retail operation, you're going to have a, a lot of different challenges. But you got to know who your customer is. And if the, the idea is, okay, the customer is going to be, you know, the, the, the tweens and the teenagers and the 20-somethings, that's fine. That's fine, but that's not what I think Kohl's, that's not what Pennies and places like that had, had been over the years. It was places where, yeah, there's stuff for the younger people, but there's also stuff for the, the again, middle-aged people as well. And if you lose that market, if you lose the working moms and that type of th- that audience, well, you're going to be doomed to failure. And I think that's kind of one of the things you're seeing. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, to both my producers today, Hardball and Groot, you guys should have protected me. You should have seen this one coming. So I'm talking about this topic about, you know, how how, how tough it is, you know, for middle-aged working moms to find clothing and stuff like that and these stories. And, and the, the complaint is it's either like, way too inappropriate it's you know it's too young or it's like they don't want to dress like their grandmas and of course my beautiful wife who is a grandma who is listening to me says well i i hope i get this text here i i hope i hope grandmas can still be hot and to which i said well at least i know i sure know one that is you know so that's you know (laughs) that's that's it it's just you guys are supposed to stop me from going down that route and say jeff don't you realize your wife might be listening to this no 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 it's i it's all the question of age appropriate but it is kind of interesting with these retailers now where you know where, where do you go for the age appropriate stuff and you know who do you end up targeting and yes yes grandmas can still be very very sexy okay I am intrigued by this story simply because I can't decide and I'm just, I can't decide what to make of it. And, and I understand the, the way talk shows are supposed to work is I'm supposed to lay out the story and then be either completely outraged at the situation that the story describes or alternatively, you know, argue that the story is much ado about nothing and how how dare this be news. I, I'm actually I'm kind of conflicted on this. And, and this has to do with with Foxconn. Now, I have been a supporter of Foxconn from the beginning. I think as drawn up, Foxconn, if it develops, has the potential to be something transformative for Wisconsin. Now, I understand that there's been some bumps along the way. I understand with the change in administrations, you now have, I I think, a, a bureaucracy in Wisconsin less committed to perhaps Foxconn than, than before. And you start you're starting to see some of these changes here. You know, there's people that are now talking about, hey, let's let let's go after the EPA and let's try to get the EPA to roll back some of the things that it did to allow Foxconn to per, to happen and let's tighten up these rules which might kill, you know, the whole Foxconn thing. And and again I 
I, I don't know what to make of this this story. Foxconn's you know deal. Foxconn said that in exchange for a lot of the incentives that they are are getting, what they wanted to do is that they were they had agreed that they were going to you know provide contracts and do hiring for as part of this Wisconsin First program that they would um, they would be giving a huge ton a ton of business to Wisconsin based businesses. Right. So now it comes out they've started to hire people for, for the building and the the Wisconsin based businesses that they're you know giving a lot of work to. One is uh, C.D. Smith Construction out of Fond du Lac. One is Otis Elevator out of Milwaukee. And one is something called PSI Intertech out of Waukesha. Right. Well, as it turns out, those those companies um, they have a Wisconsin presence, but they're not headquartered in Wisconsin. Otis Elevator is headquartered in Farmington, Connecticut. Um, you know, so that's it. PSI is headquartered in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Now, they all have presences in Wisconsin. And so what Foxconn is saying is that, look, our commitment requires us to, to find Wisconsin-based businesses. And that means the firms must have had a presence in Wisconsin for at least a year, must provide full operational delivery of services with local employees and management at their Wisconsin location, and must pay sales or other taxes to the Wisconsin Department of Revenue. In other words, they're saying there's a difference between Wisconsin headquartered and Wisconsin-based. And some people are saying, oh, this is just Foxconn playing fast and loose with the language. And again, it's the businesses in Wisconsin that are kind of getting screwed over. So I've really been trying to to think this through. Um, Northwestern Mutual is clearly headquartered in Wisconsin, and it's Wisconsin-based. American Family Insurance, you know, headquartered in Wisconsin and Wisconsin, you know, based. Um, so that would be clear. Um, our our company, Good Karma Brands, it, I mean, it's, it's headquartered in Wisconsin. It's clearly Wisconsin-based. At the same time, there's lots of companies that, even though they're not headquartered in Wisconsin anymore, would, I think, be be classified as certainly Wisconsin-based. Let me give you an example. Johnson Controls, you know, a huge employer in this area, used to have their headquarters in, in um, you know, in, in Glendale. I mean, now now they moved to Ireland. I mean, that's where the headquarters are, but still they're, they're a prominent employer. D- does it mean they're not Wisconsin-based? You, um, let, let's, BMO Harris used to be M&I Bank. Okay, well, now it's, you know, it's headquartered out of, it's headquartered out of uh, Toronto, right? Out of Toronto, but still huge presence in Wisconsin. Same thing about um, you know some of the other bank, U.S. Bank as well, headquartered now in Minneapolis, but you know it's it's got a huge Wisconsin presence. So what I wrestle with, and and maybe I'm supposed to be outraged about this. I guess I look at this story and say, okay, if you're Wisconsin-based, meaning You've got an operation here, and you're employing people here, and you're paying sales tax and things like that here. To me, 
okay, that that should be enough. I mean, that that's the idea. If you're going to say that we're only going to give businesses money to businesses that have headquarters in Wisconsin, well, I think you're going to have a tough time finding enough businesses to do the, the jobs that you need to get done. The idea, it seemed to me, behind all this was we, we want to create jobs in Wisconsin, and, and that's what you do by hiring companies that are operating in Wisconsin. See, I kind of wrestle with this. Uh, would, would you say, okay, the, the, the journal Sentinel, for example, they're, they're, not, they're owned by Gannett, which is not a Wisconsin headquartered company. Is, is If you give business to the journal Sentinel, does, does that mean that you're not supporting you know, Wisconsin? Well, I mean, I, I think that's kind of a pretty silly argument to make. Um, moving forward, this is going to be one of the criticisms against Foxconn, but I guess I look at it and say the purpose behind getting Foxconn here was to make sure that places in Wisconsin would be hired, businesses in Wisconsin would be hired, jobs would go to people in Wisconsin, and whether or not the company is headquartered here or whether it has a huge presence and is based here is, is kind of irrelevant. The bottom line is it's business going to companies that are operating in Wisconsin, and that should perhaps be enough. At least that's kind of the way I see it. But this is, again, the latest controversy that Foxconn is playing fast and loose with things. I don't see it that way, but I understand why some people might. It's 2.54. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.